but you're meeting the brains. <laughs> okay, Ola, there is, went beyond me a long time ago, so I really appreciate you. It's incredible yeah. what Stuart's doing. So go for it, mate. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, Bank Holly, very good friend, uh, very, very loyal friend, um, exceptional individual, um, fabulous uh, husband, father, son, um, uh, home group member, all the rest of it. But unlike David, he doesn't need to practice being and pretend being crazy. He is crazy. Uh, <clears throat> but I would much rather have a crazy friend like Bancoli praying for me than a stuffy traditional English person any, any day of the week. And, and Dupe, his wife, just want to honor those two. Um, when, when Dupe, in our home group, when Dupe prays for you, you need to put your seatbelt on. You really do need to put your seatbelt on because truth will come bang, bang, bang and prophetic wisdom and insight and wow and then it lives with you a uh, week after. They are an amazing couple, but they are crazy. <laughs> and we love them very, very dearly. Uh, God is above all things. Uh, God's in charge. Um, uh, we went through a church split, uh, and in and out of that, um, we're getting we're going to get let loose this adventure park, and I think it's probably going to be the most exciting thing that's happened to this church in its 100-year history. In in a disaster, God is the great redeemer. He is the great healer. He is the great recoverer. He is the great enricher. Where there is poverty, he brings wealth. He brings where there is loneliness, he brings family and community. He is the antidote to everything that is wrong with this world. Amen? For God so, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. Sometimes we can get a little church focused. God is world focused. We worry about what's happening in the church, and we worry about, you know, um, uh, do, we, do we bless um, gay and lesbian marriages and all this? We worry about that. And they, they are things to, you know, worry about and, and, and work through, and what do you do and what do you not do and all that sort of stuff. But God is saying, excuse me, there's 8 billion people out there. Go reach it. Go reach it. We worry about, you know, how we're governing ourselves and what's this and what's that and all the rest of it. And God says, excuse me, there's a world to be reached. Amen? And that's what I want to talk about this morning, if that's, that, that's all right. And this is something, you know, of a journey that uh, I've been going on for the, uh, the last 10 years. Um, when Jared asks you to preach, then uh, he basically just says, he, he just says, you know, go for it. You know, it's a great permission thing to go and talk about anything you, you, you like. So um, uh, this is just part of the journey that I've been going on, which is an emphasis of moving from inward-looking church, if you like, to outward-looking the kingdom of heaven. Uh, it's how I would just sort of um, uh, simplify it. And this, I believe, is the journey that we're on with Let Loose. He's taking us from being broadly an inward-facing church, broadly. Uh, that's not true, because there are big outward-facing pieces that are, that are part of Revive and part of Revive's history. But he's going to take our Sundays and destroy them <laughs> and is going to reimagine it in our hearts and our heads and cause us to go on a journey where we've now got an outward facing um, let loose that is 
the world, we are going to the world, not asking the world to come to church in Cottingham. Amen? Um, uh, I was talking to Beatrice, the, the current owner, on uh, yesterday, on Saturday, and, and I asked her, so how many people do you get, you know, on a, on a, on a July day when it's not raining, as in, like, not this year? Uh, so if last year, in, when it was not raining in July, how many people would you, would you get coming to let loose? And she would say, we peaked at about 1,000 people a day. A thousand people coming to our church would never happen. But if we go to their world and implant our kingdom DNA into that place and have our home groups there and we have our meals together there and we put our church on display so a thousand people walk past it every day on a sunny day, on a rainy day, you get 20. Uh, uh, but she says, you know, on average, it's four to 600 people every single day that go through that place during decent weather, uh, during the, from sort of Easter to September. To get that evangelism opportunity, never, never would that happen if we'd built a box on Kingswood or, or stayed at, at Bridlington Avenue or done something like that here to expect... Um, uh, uh, six, four hundred. Let's just just pick a random number. Five hundred people a day to come to our church. Never, never will it happen. God is doing a new thing. Uh, Sandra was listening to uh, a thing from Bill Johnson. Uh, uh, just I think it was just yesterday, and he was talking about Abraham and Isaac, and and about how jolly handy it was that Abraham was still listening, at the end when God said, "No, don't sacrifice your son." Jolly handy that Abraham still had his, his ear tuned into what God was doing. And then Bill Johnson went on to say how sad it is that so many projects and plans named Isaac have been killed because Christians were still doing the old thing. Wow. We're doing a new thing and we need to listen to the new instructions. Amen? If we just run an outreach thing like this because it's not an outreach event it's going to be an outreach lifestyle we need to rediscover how we do church together as family that is still lifting up God blessing one another meeting the needs of one another getting to know each other uh, 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 eating each other's food and etc all all of that normal church stuff we need to reinvent how we do that but in a way that allows kingdom dna to touch 500 people a day or whatever it turns out to be and i don't know what that is and i don't think jared knows what that is we need to go on that journey amen and it takes kingdom thinking fresh thinking and i'm only going to get just to you know just to lift a little little bit on, on on some of these things but in essence i believe that's what's in front of us and it's very very exciting so, uh, so it would be, when did we go to Sunderland, Jared? I couldn't remember. Five years ago? No, 10? Yeah, probably. probably, I don't know. Um, I'm not very good at looking backwards. So, <clears throat> I thought it was about 10, but um, so Chris, Chris, I have no idea. Um, Chris Fleetcroft, Jared and I um, went off to Sunderland uh, uh, we sometimes go to really nice places and sometimes uh, we go to Sunderland uh, 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 and we were at Roker Beach 
which is actually a really nice beach. I didn't know that things like that existed in Sunderland. So a really nice beach, and we found a jolly nice restaurant just overlooking the, the, the beach, uh, and we had uh, lunch there one day and all the rest of it. But we were there for a conference with, with a guy called Ed Silvoso, uh, if you've um, come across him. Um, uh, and I'm going to talk from his book called Ecclesia, um, E-double-K, uh, uh, spelling of it, um, and I'd recommend um, you get a copy and, yeah. and, and have a look at it. Um, uh, but anyway, he was there, and it really challenged my thinking about actually how do you live, live out your life as a Christian. And the summary is, it's, it's you go to the world. Yeah. You don't expect the world to come to church. Amen? And, and every one of you, every one of us, we are ministers, we are not the sheep, we're the shepherds. Yeah. And we're going to people. So I used to work at Smith & Nephew, retired from there um, uh, at Easter. I've been, been just as busy ever since. But um, uh, uh, <laughs> um, everyone who worked for me, they were my flock. They were my congregation. They just didn't know it. Wasn't, wasn't that right, Sam? Uh, Sam you used, to, used to work for me or used to work for somebody who worked for me. But, um, uh, and I thought, what on earth is my job as the minister to all these people? Because God so loved the world. He's loving them. So, Stuart, what are you doing? You need to do what I'm doing. Okay, I'll start loving them rather than them serving me. I'll serve them. And then rather than um, me behaving as the boss, I turn myself into I'm the minister. So actually, how, what do I minister to them? Uh, and, uh, and what Ed Silvosa said is what you don't do is the first thing is um, demand that they, become a, they stop being a rotten sinner and become a Christian. The first thing you do is you love them yeah. and you serve them and you let them know you're on their side. Yeah. And if you go to Luke 10, then Jesus, when he sends out 72, he basically gives them, a, here's, here's your four-point plan on how you bring kingdom to the world. And the first thing he said, um, uh, you, you can have a look at it, it, it in a little bit where he sends out the 72, but it, the first thing he says, you go ahead of me because I'm coming. So the really important thing is, Jesus is when you go, Jesus is right behind you and he's coming with his manifest presence. Amen? First thought. Second thought, he says, the first thing you say to them is peace. Peace to whoever it might be. that, you, And if they welcome you, the next thing you do with them, you hang with them. You do food with them, you do fellowship with them, and all the rest of it. And when I was at Smith & Nephew, Sam, how many times did we do food? A lot. We did food all the time, and we did hanging all the time. And whether it was in small groups or the total group, there was about 150 of us. Uh, and uh, the, we would do lots of stuff fundamentally about getting to know one another. I would hang with my leadership team, and, I would, and then it said, actually, the next bit, it goes on to heal the sick. So basically, once you've hung with them, find out what's wrong. Very good. Find out what their need is. And these are, you know, we're all well-paid people, and, you know, usually, you know, it's having good jobs and all this. Stuff. So it's not like a poverty need in, in the traditional sense. What were, what were their needs? And the youngsters, and Sam's still just about in that category, not quite, uh, you know, what were, the, what were the fresh graduates, what was their need? They wanted careers. Okay, I'll start um, coaching and encouraging people in, 
in actually how they grow in their careers. What did the leaders need? Most of the leaders felt like frauds. So what they needed was confidence, and they needed equipping with skills and capabilities. So I, took, I, t I taught them, I taught them leadership out of the Bible. And I told them, this is where it comes from. And we went through the life of Abraham, and we taught them all about explorers and adventurers uh, and modelers, and actually how do you build, how do you actually create the next generation? And I turned my office into a pulpit. I got rid of the desk. I didn't actually put a pulpit in there. But I got rid of the desk, and I put couches in there because I wanted people to feel comfortable and relaxed. Because I wanted, that's what it felt like when I went to Jesus. I wasn't in an office. I was in his living room, and I was sat in a place of comfort and security. So I said, right, I want kingdom come. I will make my office the closest that I can make it to be, that when people walk into my office, they walk into kingdom come. Your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen? And thousands of people became Christians. No, they didn't. <clears throat> One person became a Christian. But probably... Uh, I don't know if it'd be the whole department, that might be a bit, bit bold, but in my direct contact, uh, 40 people have a deep knowledge and understanding of my Christian testimony, and I preached the gospel, I prayed with them for their families, I prayed with them in their need situations, I prayed for them uh, in uh, career situations, and a little bit of kingdom DNA was expressed in my office, because I did what Jesus said to do what, uh, to the 72. I just basically did that. In my sphere of influence, I took the kingdom and inserted it into the secular thing that I was, had a, an influence over. Every single one of us has a, you have a sphere of influence with people. Yeah. Your family, your extended family and all the naughty ones that you don't like. <laughs> Um, uh, is included in that list and you can bring kingdom come DNA to them just by following what Luke 10 says amen we're going to have a whole bunch of people coming to an adventure park and we can either just let them come to an adventure park and have a nice time or we can in the nicest possible way lay booby traps for them where they will experience kingdom DNA. Uh, you know, in the, the Rugby World Cup's on at the moment. Um, uh, uh, Scotland got stuffed uh, last night as a, as, a, as a true Scotsman by the, by, by the Irish. Uh, my sister-in-law is Irish, Irish. I'm not speaking to her. Uh, uh, to be fair, Ireland played very, very well. England are really lucky because they're in a weak group. And Richard Dixon is going to tease me mercilessly when... England get through to, well, they're already through to the quarterfinals and Scotland aren't, um, uh, because, because he's crazy too. Uh, <coughs> anyway, uh, did you notice what happened at the end of the South Africa-Tonga game? Did anyone watch that and see what happened at the end? So South Africa, really tough team. Tonga, uh, my goodness, wouldn't like to meet any of them in a, in a dark alley at night. Yeah. <laughs> They are monsters, they are huge. And they were on this rugby pitch, you know, in, in the, within the rules of the game, beating <laughs> the living daylights out of each other and all the rest of it. My goodness, what a match. Uh, bang, bang, bang. And then at the end of the game, uh, uh, all of them went into a big circle, knelt down and prayed in front of 70,000 people. 
That was a little booby trap of the kingdom witness. What are we going to do and let loose where rather than doing our Christian stuff in the cupboard, how do we get our Christian stuff on display and in public? We've got a teepee, as we're calling it, um, at Let Loose, and it's going to be the prayer room. People walking past, swinging on their stuff, or doing whatever they want, climbing the walls and playing around, and there's a group in there praying. What's going on in there? There's a group in the cafe doing a little Bible study. There's a couple of friends meeting, having a coffee, and then they're finished praying. What's going on there? Because kids ask these questions. And they will ask, and we just say, why don't you sit down and join us? And a thousand other things that we're going to do. But I don't know what those things are. But broadly, when Jesus sends out the 72, what he's really saying, I'm way off my notes here, by the way, so sorry. Um, But when, uh, when Jesus sends out the 72, he lays down the principle. Um, None of those weren't the 12 apostles. They went before and made a mess of it, broadly. Uh, And then he sends out the 72, and Jesus is really happy when they come back because, in essence, they just did what he asked them to do. Go hang, speak peace, find out what the needs are, pray into those needs, and then the kingdom of God comes, and that's when you preach the gospel to somebody. And he was just so delighted that just the average person went out and did that. They hadn't been on a training program They just went out with what was already in their heart, with a little bit of an instruction from God, and they just did it with a simplicity and a a generosity of heart. Um, uh, And they saw all sorts of miracles you can see it listed in in the Bible. And Jesus was so happy with their report. Amen? That's us. There's a congregation out there, and every single one of us is shepherds to them. We're also sheep. We're all shepherds and sheep at the same time. Uh, uh, And there's sometimes I just need to be looked after. But there's other times um, I'm out there. My job is to bless. Amen? Um, In this book, Ecclesia, then Ed Silvoso talks about um, uh, actually what is the church. Um, and there was a little bit of a moment in history when um, King James I of England, King James VI of Scotland, as he was also known, um, uh, set up the translation team to translate the Bible uh, into English. Um, uh, English as it was at the time. It's you know, full of yees and thous and theys and thums. Uh, 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 and, but, um, and, and they did a fabulous job. And the King James Bible is still you know, huge use today, the authorised version. Um, uh, uh, but un- interestingly, James, King James ha- insisted on 12 things being translated in a certain way, and one of them was that Ecclesia be translated as church, because in all translations before that, it was described as the assembly. So much more of a democratic thing, much more just as a group. And actually, the simplest definition of, of the assembly is where two or three gather in my name. So a home group, um, two or three people coming together to prayer over a cup of coffee, is church, is what Jesus meant as church. And what King James wanted, because actually most of the government of the day was actually run through the church. It was the church that established, there wasn't a police force, it was the church that had 
the authority to express what happened in every village and every town in the country. So he wanted control, and so he actually put it in that actually ecclesia be translated as church. Ecclesia, what Jesus meant as church, um, uh, was actually something much more expansive and much bigger and bolder than that. And that is the sense, in Jesus' time, there were three institutions. There was the temple, there was the synagogue, and there was the ecclesia. And the ecclesia was a Greek invention, and this was essentially where you did the the business of life. Uh, It would be where you'd sort out problems, it would be whether you did this, it was typically where the marketplace was. So some um, uh, uh, writers talk about, you know, church really needs to get into the marketplace. It's the same thing is the ecclesia, but it's secular. And so when Jesus said, I will build my church, he said, I will build my ecclesia. And he used a secular term. He didn't say, I'm going to build my temple or rebuild my temple or make a new temple. He didn't say, I'm going to make a better synagogue. He said, I'm going to use the ecclesia. One of the interesting pieces about that is temple, very male, synagogue, very male, um, marketplace, um, actually virtually half the stalls were um, uh, manned by women. So a very, if you recognize actually what was happening at the time, Romans very oppressive against women. Um, uh, uh, Jewish culture at that time, very oppressive against women. But when you actually read the New Testament writings, women are popping up all over the place. So it was a freeing thing for, Jesus was saying, much more inclusive. Slaves had no place in the temple, had no place in the synagogue. They have place in the marketplace, and there is um, no no Greek, no Hebrew, no male, no female, no slave, or whatever it is, uh, slave or free, thank you. That Jesus was saying, my church is fully inclusive, and it also, if you take that thing of, it, it, my congregation is the world. So this principle of the ecclesia is a very expansive and big thing. The world, the traditional adopted view of the church is it's an inward and defensive looking thing. Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Amen? The church, the gates of hell are fixed, obviously. Um, Gates tend to be. Uh, uh, And so if there's going to be a battle at the gates of hell, it's because the church is advancing on it. Amen? A lot of the behavior of the church is defensive. We need to change our thinking and saying actually we need to move on the offense and go and take of the kingdom of the devil and see people broken of bondage, see healings come, see life come, and see poverty broken in Jesus' name. Amen? Jesus said of himself, the Lord has anointed me to preach Good news to the poor. <clears throat> poor is a is obviously sp- speaks with regard to possessions and wealth, but it also speaks to poverty of spirituality. Why am I here? What's my purpose? It also speaks to poverty of relationship, and we see in the world today huge brokenness in families, divorce rate the highest it's ever been, um, and a real kick up after COVID as people had to live together more closely uh, or whatever it was. 
um, sons rejecting their fathers, all of this stuff, people in huge loneliness and depression. Poverty of relationship is a huge, huge issue. Huge issue, poverty of aspiration. Um, the education system, uh, uh, one of my um, other um, non-paid jobs is I'm chair of a multi-academy trust. Uh, so 8,000 8, kids, eight schools, um, and all of the schools are serving in deprived uh, communities, uh, mostly in the northeast, uh, sort of Newcastle, Gateshead, Sunderland, that sort of thing. But um, the poverty of aspiration, you can taste it. Uh, I don't need a job. My, my mum and my dad don't have a job. Why do I need to work? Why do I need to do my exams? Why do I need to turn up to school? Really basic. Um, my big brother does drugs. Um, that's what I want to do. And that's life. What a poverty of aspiration. How do we preach good news into all of those? And all of those are going to walk through our doors at Let Loose. Poverty of relationship, poverty of spirituality, poverty of aspiration. I'm lost. I don't know. Why am I here? I might as well just end it. All of that language of suicide will walk through our doors uh, at Let Loose. And poverty of material things will walk through our doors. Every single one of those, God is above in Jesus' name. And the redemptive power of Jesus Christ has the answer to every single one of those. Amen? And the principle of the kingdom is that we are salt and we are light and we are yeast and we just need to mix with the dead, dry ingredients, which are the bulk ingredients of bread, if you like. So we just need a bit of salt and a bit of yeast chucked in there and life comes. Amen? Yeah. <clears throat> Jesus said, didn't, he said, don't go build your church. That's what the church tries to do. It tries to build its own church, and it probably is its own church rather than God's church. Jesus broadly said, preach the kingdom, live the kingdom, and I will build my church. Yeah. Come on. All we need to do with Let Loose is work out what that means and just go and be kingdom to those 500 people that come through the door every day during the summer and say, how do we do whatever it takes so that we, in, in the nicest way possible, infect them with kingdom DNA through yeast, salt, and light in Jesus' name. And it will take every one of us. It'll take every single one of us. So we're going to get let loose in a few short weeks, probably a, a couple. We are literally dotting I's and crossing T's and getting world experts on VAT and charities um, to write us reports that says we can do this. It, it's, all, it's all kind of real coalescing. The current owners are just amazing. They're painting everything that's moving or not moving. Uh, so normally when you sell something secondhand, if you like, then phew, uh, it's gone. They didn't notice the bit and they didn't, they didn't notice. They're sorting everything. They're, they're taking all, you know, uh, the rebuilding bits for us, putting new roofs on, Everything's getting painted and refreshed. Um, uh, we're then going to have to do stuff mostly around heating because otherwise Dupe's not coming. Uh, <coughs> uh, and on, 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 on week one, it will, be, it will be just whatever it is. And then week after week after week. Yeah. And then over the winter, we're going to work out how do we do kingdom of God. 
in a public place. This is not going to be church. It is going to be church because we're going to have church services and stuff on there and we're still going to have fellowship and community and teaching and stuff. But it's not going to be church as we know it. It's going to be seven days a week. How do we do? We've all got jobs to do and we've got this to do and, and a dog to walk and a, uh, uh, and a whatever and a whatever. Well, do the dog, dog walk at Let Loose or I'm, I'm making stuff up. I have no idea how we're going to do it. But we just need to work out how do we yeah. have people on site being kingdom, being South Africa and Tonga, yeah. kneeling down in the center circle of that pitch and praying in front of 70,000 people and saying, my God is real. And some of those people will go walk past and laugh, and some of those people will walk past and go, what have they got that I don't have? And that's what we're looking for, is some people who will say that, and then we sit down and we get to know them, and we feed them. Uh, We're gonna make the food really good, uh, because food is an attractional thing, have you noticed? And we're going to have lots of food, and we're going to have lots of hanging about time, we're going to have lots of fun, and we're going to create that, that, we're going to turn that thing into a magnet 